0: All right, welcome back, y'all. This is another episode of the Benchmob Podcast, another quarantine edition in Jersey, in our separate respective places, man. Um, how you feeling today, baby? I feel good. All right, well, let's get straight into it. As we know, uh, scrimmages actually start today with the NBA, scrimmages are back. Uh, The season will be starting back again real soon. And the NBA announced that they will have the awards being voted on right now, the 21st through the 28th. And that the awards will be based off everything that happened before quarantine. So with that being the case, this is going to be our award show where we talk and choose who we think are going to win these awards? Uh, we had some of the followers and the BenchMob family give us their list and vote in who they thought was going to win each award. So we're going to break down each one and go from there. We got Coach of the Year. Uh, the BenchMob family voted Nick Nurse at forty-two percent, Billy Donovan at fourteen percent, Frank Vogel at fourteen, uh, Coach Bud from the Bucks. 23.8% and Coach Spoelstra got a couple votes at 4.76. So for the bench Mob family, they feel Nick Nurse is the coach of the year. Who you got as coach of the year for you?
1: I just think that Billy Donovan, they need to put more respect on his name because he lost two superstars in the offseason and they're still in that same fourth, fifth range in the Western Conference, which is clearly the tougher conference. And, I mean, I I like what Nick Nick Nurse has done, because if you look at it, losing Kawhi is pretty big after winning a championship last year. And they're still in the, the second seed in the Eastern Conference. But I just think that with everything against Billy Donovan this year, like they weren't even expected to make a playoff run this year with the team that they have on paper but i think he's done a good job coaching them and it helps having cp3 on the team now too but i think that he should be higher on that list he should he should be the the coach of the year that's that's my coach of the year
0: i gotta um agree on some of the stuff you said too the thing that's dope for billy donovan is a lot of the NCAA basketball coaches, when they come to the pros, it don't work out. So far, it's worked out for Billy Donovan. And I think this will be one of the, you know, few cases where it turns out well and he's going to keep his job. He'll be a staple in uh, NBA for uh, coaching. I'm going to go with Nick Nurse just off the fact of losing Kawhi, such a huge piece, and basically they are not missing a beat. Um, Some people – who maybe not know basketball or whatever, would put in a lot of success just because old Kawhi came. But Nick Nurse knows what he's doing, too. Um, so I got to choose Nick Nurse for my coach of the year. I have Billy Donovan second. And then, of course, got to shout out Frank Vogel. Um, you got LeBron, and everybody says, you know, it's LeBron. It's easy. You don't have to coach. But that's a lot of personalities to deal with. If he is able to still, you know, have them on a winning path, they get a championship – you got to really factor in him in the future of his coaching pedigree. A lot of people didn't think Frank Vogel was the right fit for the Lakers. And then now, at JR Smith and Deion Waiters, talk about managing personalities. That's, I am very intrigued to see how he does that in the playing time with Deion Waiters and no Rondo now, no Avery Bradley. Like, all of those things are going to be interesting going into. rest of this season. Most improved. The Benjamin family have voted BAM as most improved player at 28.5% of the votes. Brandon Ingram had second place with 23%. Devontae Graham was at 19%. Shea Gillis-Alexander was at 4.7%. Jason Tatum got 9.5%, and Trey Young got some votes in there also at 4.7%. Most improved, um, I can't agree with the Benchmark family. Bam has had a great – i we toss around great a lot. He's had a good year. He's had a good year. He's been improved from his previous year. But I'm going with Devontae Graham, me personally. I was saying as we could go back on the tape – I said this probably the second or third episode of Bench Mob season one. Just his growth and just to be able to step into that seamlessly, that role and take over. And I think he's actually had a better season than Terry Rosier, the person that they brought in to be there big time, the face of the franchise since Kimball Walker left. But I think um Devontae Graham has filled that role of the scoring guard taking his spot you feel me that yeah. i got Devonte graham Granted, bi has had a good season too but i'm going with Devonte graham man i mean his his numbers they're nice
1: the percentages aren't that good but i mean that's that's not a surprise he's in charlotte it's it's rough trying to make plays out over there but i think bam B.I., you can flip a coin with that because B.I. took a, a huge leap this year. He's kind of been their, their number one option on that team. And then, Bam, I think he's had a great season. I don't know, you, you said don't throw around the word great too much, but if you look at it, he's kind of the type of big that you would want. Like, he's a freak athlete. He can handle the ball, he can shoot, he passes well. And he's kind of showed all those attributes this year, to where, I mean, the sky's the limit for for him. He's probably he could be the best player on that team in a year or two, and be that like go-to guy, if we're really being honest about it. Because he's he's always tasked to to play defense on the the number one like big, or if he, they're playing the Bucks, he'll play defense on Giannis. So it's kind of like that's that's his skill he's he's versatile he does everything like every little thing the the heat ask of him he might not score like 25 30 points like an Embiid but I mean him getting 20 10 and five or six assists is is plenty plenty good enough I'd take that over Embiid honestly
0: when it comes to BAM I think the thing that's gonna be huge for them is to see what they do in free agency. If mm-hmm. they don't sign another star, for example, like rumors Chris Paul or trying to get, let's say if AD doesn't sign back to prevent his growth. Right now it's a perfect thing, just Jimmy Butler, then it's him. But if you sign another star, I think that might, you know, stop some of his growth to the fullest extent. You feel me? Like BI was that's able to issue, yeah. That's the issue with some of these teams. They try to, like, they think that
1: they need, so, like, so many superstars on one team. But if you have, like, a couple good guys who are kind of, like, on the rise, just build around that. Like, the Celtics, they're deep. I don't know if they should go after any more stars necessarily because they have a couple in Tatum and Jalen Brown. And let them develop. Let them turn into the, the, the superstars that they want to sign. Because you don't have to give up anything. You don't have to pay $40 million for an AD to come over. Like $40 million a year for that when you have two guys who are really good and you just – you build around that. That's how good teams are built. You don't, you don't just throw money at people and that's going to work all the time. It doesn't always work that way.
0: Speaking of the Celtics, just a uh, deer off of that – how do you think they go about that in the future? Because they still got Gordon Hayward there. Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown, Tatum. Basically interchangeable in positions they play. They all could play the two or the three.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Maybe a little bit of four, depending on the matchups. How do you think if you, you running that team, you Danny Ainge, what are you doing in regard? Are you keeping Hayward there? Like At some point, I think a decision has to be made in regards to that because. Jalen Brown's on the rise, Tatum's on the rise. I don't think either of them should be coming off the bench.
1: No, and they won't be coming off the bench. Like, if anything, Gordon Hayward would be the one. But when it comes to that, that's when he's the most likely to get moved, just because it's like he's getting paid 30 mil a season to come off the bench. like that. (laughs) I would take that if I'm a a bench player, for sure. Pay me 30 million to come off the bench, but that's unrealistic. And they still got to pay Jason Tatum, you know. So I, they have their core three guys with Kemba, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown. And Gordon Hayward was supposed to be one of those guys, but that injury kind of just allowed growth for Tatum and Brown and a little quicker than they probably expected. So I think it's his time might be coming up soon in Boston. Which is not a bad thing. I mean, Danny Ainge is able to flip pieces and yeah. get assets back for for good value, and I think he could get good value for Gordon Hayward because he's not bad. Like on a good, on a different team where he has more opportunities, he could be that Gordon Hayward that he was before. But on this team, he's kind of uh, he's like the fourth option at this point because Tatum's the one. Kemba, I guess, could be the two. Jalen Brown, the third option, and then what? Gordon Hayward, fourth yeah. option. It's kind of like it's a waste of money for them to to a point. But for this year, it works. It works for them because they're deep with that that small forward position. And Gordon Hayward, he could just be that spot up shooter for you. Honestly, that's why they're they're a sleeper team to come out of the the Eastern Conference for me. I think that them and Philly pose the most threat in the Eastern Conference to the Greek Freak. Uh, Philly. I mean, I like what they're doing with Ben Simmons finally moving him out of the point guard. Cause you can't have a point guard who can't shoot at the top of the key the whole game. Like he needs to be down low in the post or like kind of in the wing. Like he, we've seen videos of him shooting, but we haven't really seen him take it into the game. So maybe coming coming back after four months, you know, in the bubble, he'll start to break out his jumper a little bit, and once he starts shooting and making jumpers, that adds another element to Philly. And if that hap- if that comes in the bubble, then
0: <laughs> I don't see how you could pick the Bucks over Philly at this. Oh, point. I'm not choosing. I'm not choosing the Bucks at all. You feel me? I just feel my thing with that. I think that's a good decision. Who they playing at point though?
1: Shaq. I mean, Shake, Shake Milton. Who he was balling before the shutdown too. Like he, he was he's been a good player for them. But you kind of had to have him come off the bench when Ben Simmons was playing because he's the point guard. But when he was out with that injury before we got shut down, Shake was balling. He was giving them good minutes. I think he almost had like a triple-double one game. So he's he's got skills. So I think he's going to be the point guard starting for them once the, the everything opens back up. So I, I want to see how that, that gels. Because, I mean, Ben Simmons, he can play power forward, but he can – like Braun has shown, he's not the point guard, but, I mean, he's still going to have the ball in his hands a great deal. And we haven't really seen Ben Simmons just – you know, not play the point guard role where he's dribbling the whole time. We haven't seen him like defer to anybody in a sense. So it it should be interesting. It could add a a different element that a lot of the teams they haven't really seen in the NBA from them yet. So that could make them dangerous in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I mean, so you looking at a lot of like Shake, then you could probably put Josh Richardson too if you want. Josh Richardson Tobias Ben Simmons and B, or you could take Josh Richardson out and put Al Horford in there in the mid one. I mean, yeah, in the flow of the game, yeah. The flow of, the but game. of course, now
1: with Ben Simmons moving the power forward, now you get Al Horford coming off the bench. So it's not, you're not clogging space with him and B on the court at the same time. Although they might be at, at a point, but if they are, you can't really have Ben Simmons on the court with them because.
0: Uh, Horford could be that stretch. Horford will show, be, It should be. But Leading. he's not, like, the most consistent, I don't think. Leading up to the uh, – you know, before COVID happened, he was getting up five, six threes, attempts a game, and that gives more space then because Embiid wants to be in the post. You feel me? So, let Embiid <laughs> – you get to have Horford stretch the floor out. Um, I just still feel – I'm going with, like, a – With Boston or Toronto, my pick is. um, I think Boston is going to be in the finals. They just got Marcus Smart, Jalen. It should be fun.
1: I like I like what Tatum's been doing. So we'll we'll see what happens. He this might be his coming out party, honestly. Who you got coming out in the East? Like you said, I like the Celtics. I like Celtics and I like Philly. I just think that um, Philly's a sleeper team. Like, they're one of the most dangerous teams possibly in the league at coming out of this bubble because everybody's coming back healthy. Like, Embiid's going to be fully healthy. Ben Simmons was not even playing when everything got shut down. He's back healthy. That's like <laughs> that's like taking Braun and putting him on one of these teams and just saying, like, all right, now, now let's play. Let's play ball. So I think that Philly, honestly, Philly and the in the Celtics could be the team to beat. I just don't trust the the Bucks like that.
0: No, I don't trust them. At, <laughs> I don't trust them at all. And I think it's going to be interesting, like you said, having Ben Simmons at the power forward. He's faster than most of the power forwards. It'll. I think it'll be something like a same thing like with Giannis. He'll be able to, when he does get the ball, go court. Knock it down, layups, dunks, whatever the case may be. I think it's gonna be um it's gonna be a good look. I just don't see them getting past uh Boston, in my opinion.
1: And hopefully with this, like Ben Simmons starts to look for his shot more too. Like he starts to try to go at people and score. Cause I mean he does it within the flow of the game, but he's six ten and he can move that way. Like make make moves, take take over sometimes. Don't always defer to MB to to bail you out or
0: any other guy that's on the court? That's the only way that it could get real scary if he started doing that. As we have seen, though, he will shoot, knock down threes in practice, and won't shoot it in the game. So I still got to see if it actually transfers to the game. Now, if he does that, I might have to recant my statement. So we'll see after the uh, (laughs) first couple of weeks of these games coming back, how he actually approaches the game. Defensive player of the year, the Benjamin family has voted Giannis as winning it at 71% of the votes. AD got 66%. Kawhi and Ben Simmons both ended up around 4.8% of the votes. Who's your defensive player of the year this year?
1: I, I said Giannis, too. I think just his impact defensively, that's what makes them so dangerous, not even, like, offensively, but they're the best defensive team in the league. And he's a huge reason for that. Like he's six, basically seven feet that can move that way and play defense on basically anybody on the, on the floor. So he's, he's getting like a couple steals a game and his blocks too. He's getting like a couple blocks a game too. And I mean, AD's doing that. He's doing that too. But I think with the defensive player of the year, you got to look at how he affects the rest of the guys on the court too. Because in a way, Giannis has a greater impact on his team defensively than AD does.
0: Yeah, when it comes to AD, I look at it. He's doing his part, but I think he'll end up on one of the all defensive teams. But sure. Look at it too. You got LeBron on the wing. When he want to play defense, that helps. You got Caldwell Pope. You got Avery Bradley, and then not only. You have AD, but if he's playing the power forward, you got Dwight or JaVale in the game who alters everything on defense also. Easily, both of them averaging two blocks a game, and they only get like 20 minutes apiece. Two blocks a yeah. in 20 minutes, that's not that bad in regards of, you know, helping you. I don't know if you could be the defensive player of the year. You have to give it to Giannis, and the thing that's dope about Giannis, he actually wants to play D. He's going to – he had no problem. I'm going to go guard LeBron. I'm going to go guard Tatum or I'm going to guard Jalen Brown. I'm going to guard Siakam. He'll do it with no problem. And sometimes he'll do it from the tip-off to the end of the game. I got to go with Giannis also. I think the uh, Benchmont family got it right on that one. I'm surprised Bam didn't get any votes. Um,
1: Yeah. He should be on, like, second team just because he's not going to get it over AD. So –
0: Yeah, uh, he'll be on one of the defensive teams for sure. We're going to transition into rookie of the year. This was pretty much clear-cut, simple. 76% voted for John Morant. 23% voted for Zion. Nobody else got any votes, any honorable mention, nothing. My rookie of the year is John Morant, hands down. Now, if Zion was there the whole year, we might be having a different discussion. But oh, for sure, Zion, yeah, Zion the whole year. And then if COVID didn't happen and they let it played out and the Pelicans made the playoffs, then I might put. I probably would choose Zion then because he literally transformed the team to get them into the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Memphis has been consistent this whole year, which is why you have to put Ja in that conversation. Consistent this whole year in regards of, hey, we're a winning team. We're competing. Um, we play with that grit, that grind, and that dog. in them. And it's all really because of John Morant and his unselfishness. Because Jacob could really average 30, 35. But he, he says to himself, he's a pass first. Gets Jaron Jackson involved, Dylan Brooks. So if, if 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 Zion was able to get them into the playoffs and there was no COVID, I'd choose Zion. But John Morant whole year consistent I got Ja Morant as my rookie of the year
1: yeah and I'm I'm on the same page like Ja he's he's gonna be the rookie of the year it's not any question about it at this point because I mean Zion up to this point he's only played 19 games that's not enough to to get rookie of the year maybe in college but not not in the pros so with like Ja he's kind of he's made this seamless transition from college to, to the pros. And it's, it's almost like he's a vet on this, this Grizzlies team. Like he, he's playing better than how they were playing when Conley was there last year. And it's a 20 year old kid doing this. And he, he's just got this poise to him that is unmatched for, for a lot of people at that age. Like he's not afraid of anybody. He's, actually, like, it charges him up to go at people and go at the best guards in the league. So he can show that he is one of those best guards in the league, which, I mean, real soon he'll he'll be up there. But, I mean, (laughs) you can't really debate it. it? Yeah. If Zion played more games, then, yeah. Like, if you look at his numbers, he's – it's crazy. Like, averaging, like, 24 points a game this soon is kind of – crazy just because he has he doesn't really have a jump shot at this point it's mainly post moves and driving to the cup alley hoop like it's not really him breaking somebody down and doing a step back on anybody he doesn't have that in his game yet which is scary if you think about it because he's still averaging 24 7 3 without a jumper so once he does Develop that. It's gonna be real scary, but this year, it doesn't really push the needle enough. Cause I mean, Ja has his team in the playoff race. So does Zion. But Ja, they're they've been in the race all year.
0: All seat from day one, yeah. and that that's where, like I say if COVID didn't happen and they was able to get in the playoffs and take Memphis' spot, all right, we'd be having a different conversation. But COVID happened, so it's all. Um, yeah, what-if conversations. We could have those all day about everything. What if Michael Jordan didn't get drafted by the Bulls? What if, like, those conversations would go on all day? And Ja,
1: he just look. he looks hungry. Like, he looks hungry to make the playoffs and get his team there right now, not wait till next year. Like, he's not He's – he's got that business mentality right now. Like, we're we're coming to this bubble to – to play and not, we're not trying to lose. And I think that would be a good series that first round because I don't see them getting bounced in the in the uh, if they do have to play that playing game. I don't, I don't really see them getting bounced because I think he'll take that that matchup with probably Dame. He'll take that pretty serious and and he'll he'll go at him too. So that should be that would be a fun playing game to watch Portland against Memphis because mm-hmm. that's what I think it's going to be.
0: So you think – do you think Memphis gets that AFC or do they – yeah, nah, I'm looking at the standings. It's, they can't move up. They're not catching up to the Mavs. Do you think they're able to get that AFC with a Trailblazers team coming back healthy? Dame, CJ, they're going to move. Mellow to the three. You got Zach Collins and Nurkic and then Whiteside coming off the bench, granted Trevor Ariza wasn't able to come due to a personal situation, do you think they'll be able to hold it up with a healthy Portland team coming back? We we saw Chuck say, hey, if they healthy and they get into that AFC, it's, it's scary for the Lakers. Do you think Portland is will actually get that AFC, though?
1: They could. I mean, in the playing game, anything can happen, but – I just believe Memphis is – I mean, they got that grit and grind like they always preach. then It might not look pretty, but they're going to get it done somehow. Even though I do, like, I do like Portland, if they do make it, then I don't know if they'll make too much noise, but in that first-round matchup against the Lakers, it could be interesting. But I think Memphis still gets in.
0: For me, I think Portland gets in and just off of entertainment of what I would rather watch, I would rather watch a Portland Lakers matchup that first round. Just because I think Portland is more how their roster is set up is more of a threat because they got a better bench. It's more of a threat to the Lakers than Memphis. Now, granted, John Morant is box office. Jaron Jackson and then after that, they have good role players, good pieces. I don't think they're box office. You got so many storylines just off of being a fan of a trailblazers. You got Dame. Playoff Dame, we know it's something different, but is he going to do it again? C.J. McCullum, does he step up and help out, especially with the Lakers that don't have Avery Bradley and they got J.R. Smith now? Does he go off with that matchup? Mellow against Braun. That's always a storyline right there to see how that goes out.
1: I mean, when you put it that way, it would be a lot, a lot more interesting to see Portland against the
0: Lakers. And you got the big men's too. You got 80 who, which, which front court comes out better. 80, Dwight, Javel, or Nerkit, Zach Collins, and Whiteside.
1: I think AD and them, they got them easy. Because Nurkic not much of a defender. If I was Portland, I would start Whiteside over him. Mm-hmm. Just because I mean Nurkic is good, but he's also like a liability on defense. So kind of have him come off the bench, coming off the injury. So we'll see. <laughs> it should be it should be interesting.
0: Now the next award is Most Improved Player of the Year. No, Six Man. Six Man is the next award. Um, it should the be
1: Blue, the Lou Will Award.
0: <laughs> Lou Will, Jamal Crawford, whichever one you want to throw out there. It's the Lou Will, Jamal Crawford Award. 61% has voted Lou Will. We got some votes for Montrez Harrell. He had 19% of the votes. Dennis Schroeder had 14% of the votes. And Fred Van v, he got a couple of votes at 4.7%. Um... Who you got as your sixth man?
1: I mean, you could just give it to Lou by default at this point because it's just consistent production off the bench every year. But to make it interesting, I'm going with Dennis Schroeder just because, like I said before, that that team wasn't really expected to do much. And, I mean, they they were given three point guards that should be starting on their own team on one squad. And they made it work somehow. Like Schroeder off the bench is averaging like 19 and giving them good minutes and and running the show off the bench, which not many teams have that, have a a starting caliber point guard. Off the bench. all Coming off the bench. So I just think that with how the season's gone and where they are in the standings, I think that he should be – if, if, he doesn't, if he didn't get it, he should be higher than Montrez just because of everything he does. Like, that Clippers team is deep. So it's kind of like they can all get off on a given night. So it, that kind of – I feel like that should hurt some of them in that six-man race just because it's not, it's not going to be as easy for, like, a dentist to, to go off every night on that Thunder team, because it's not like, besides him, Shea, Chris Paul, Steven Adams, who else could you name on that Thunder squad? I couldn't, without looking at the roster in front of me, I can't name anybody. So I think I'm going to give Dennis shorter the nod.
0: Of course, as we said, Lou Will could get it by default. Um, I'm going with Trez, 18.6. He got two points more than last year, 16.6. He improved his rebounding from six and a half to seven rebounds a game. He's getting you a block a game off the bench. And as you said, I think that actually helps out Trez, at least. They are deep. So for him to still be able to put out this production and actually increase his production with a Lou Will on the team and still be able to put up 18 and seven with a block, I think this is the year that Trez gets it. Um, But honestly – we probably know Lou Will's going to get it by default. At this point, they might switch it up just like the year that MJ didn't win MVP. Just like we could say every year, LeBron really could be the MVP. I think, you feel me, this would be the year, hey, we're going to give it to somebody different just because. Just and I don't think anybody would argue with Trez or Schroeder. Outside of them, I can't think of anybody that I would – put up there as a viable option of winning it speaking of the clippers though who you got coming out from the west
1: i think i said this on the other one i i I like the the clippers honestly because at first i was i was lakers but looking at it now like that team is just deep like they're probably the deepest yeah deepest team in the league and the one team you don't really want to face in the playoffs because you got so many different things you have to worry about. You got to worry about Kawhi, who's clutch. He's always been clutch. You got Paul George, who (laughs) we know his resume. Then you got Lou Will coming off the bench. You could honestly just go down the list and they added Marcus Morris. They got Reggie Jackson off the bench now too, which is crazy that he's, he was even available. and, And they just scooped him up that way. So I don't know. I think that the Clippers, they're the
0: best team coming out of the shutdown. Out of the, the two obvious, Lakers and Clippers, who do you mm-hmm. see, though, as a possible threat? Like, I've been talking to some people, some say the Rockets, you know, coming back. James Harden lost weight. Russell Westbrook looks focused. Nuggets, Jokic lost weight weight. Mm-hmm. Everybody's been saying that for... Never about him. Like, yo, what if he lose weight? He'll take it to the next level. You got him. uh Bobo on 18. That looked like a good piece. You still got Jamal Murray. You got uh, Michael Porter Jr. Is he going to come back and be that next option that they need? Six eight could shoot. The Jazz. I don't even think they are really a part of the conversation. I still don't like that Mike Conley pickup. I don't think that actually has helped them. Um But. Exactly. <laughs> you see anybody as a dark horse or anybody that could be a threat to LA or uh, both LA teams?
1: Uh, hmm. Me, I'm thinking a possible OKC. I think either OKC or even that eight seed that people might just take for granted and sleep on them. Like if the trailblazers come out, they could, (laughs) if the Lakers take it for granted, they could take them out in the first round so yeah. that's one thing um like you said the Rockets they're also a team that they're coming back that small ball that could really help them in in the playoffs I mean defensively it always hurt them but it's all about putting points in the basket so <laughs> the faster you get up and down the court the more chances you, are, you have to score mm-hmm. so I think the Rockets as well I don't know about the Mavs just yet. I mean, I think they're missing maybe uh, another another piece, but who knows? They could they could make noise too.
0: I just think they need another year together for some of their pieces to grow. I think you don't add that. You leave it with Porzingis, Doncic. Put those two together and just build around them with those two. If Porzingis can stay healthy, I think. They got something nice coming in the future. I think the Rockets are the biggest threat. If they can move up to that fifth seed, that fourth seed, they'll see the Clippers in that second round. And that's where I think it could be a threat. If they stay where they're at, at that sixth seed, they'll see the Lakers more than likely. They still got to get past the Nuggets if that's the case too. I don't know if they get past the Nuggets with – granted, it's practice, but the Nuggets look – they look pretty good. And like I said, Nikola Jokic being in shape, it seems. Yeah, I don't – I think the Nuggets will – it would be interesting to see it. I still don't believe – for me, the Nuggets is like the Bucks for me. They normally have good regular seasons. They got some nice pieces. But when the playoff time comes, for some reason, they just don't click. They can't get over that hump. But I think the biggest threat really is the – that Rocket squad, if they're able to move up to that four or five seed, possibly even a four seed, they get home court for that first round, Win in the first round, and then match it with the Clippers. I think it'll be a nice uh, dark horse, a threat. But me, I'm a Lakers fan. I want to say the Lakers are going to make it out. The Clippers do scare me, though. Like, they're deep. Everybody's coming back healthy. We don't have to worry about <clears throat> traveling. Y'all all in the same spot. Low management. Like a healthy Kawhi. Paul George was playing this whole season. Nicked up still from the shoulder. Mm-hmm. We just mentioned Lou Will, Trez.
1: I forgot P. Bev. P. Bev is there too.
0: Patrick Beverly. You look at the Lakers' bench. We mentioned Dion Waiters, Javale McGee, or Dwight Howard coming off the bench, and then who else we we really got?
1: Lost. They lost some pieces, key pieces: Rondo, Avery Bradley. Who else? I'm that might be it. But those I'm are like some big pieces.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't sign at least one more piece to come off the bench. Because like I think we're solid on the front court. Yeah. yeah. Rose, between 80, Dwight, Javale. We solid right there. But mm-hmm. the guard aspect, we kind of, I think we kind of, kind of then you got Caruso, who also probably is going to be coming off the bench, but i take a Lou Will over Caruso. You got JR and Deion Waiters. I could take maybe a JR if he's on over Shamit, uh for the Clippers, but you got, Reggie Jackson coming off the bench. I don't know, man. It's just they're so deep, and I think they got the better Morris brother. The Clippers. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I know firsthand. He's he's the better Morris brother. Ah, <laughs> oh, man, the Knicks would help him. They would. We were in talks. The Lakers were in talks of getting him from the Knicks, and y'all chose. I didn't
1: want to give up Kuzma and and Caruso for for that. No.
0: I really didn't even mention Kuz, but I, don't, I still don't think we have enough. I don't trust,
1: I don't trust Kuz at all. I,
0: I think that's one of the young players, as we mentioned, that kind of their growth is being stunted because of who's on the roster. Like, if he was able to go to New Orleans, I think we having that same discussion of him and B.I., like, oh,
1: most of important- I don't know, because he doesn't really do it for me. He doesn't get it. He doesn't do anything off the bounce that's like impressive. Like he's more of like that one, one dribble pull up type of guy. He's not, he's not like Brandon Ingram who's going to break you down, maybe spin move here and there. Like that's not Kuzma's game really. And I mean, you get to see that even more because they're in the spotlight and they have Braun and AD. So now he's just basically what Kevin Love was just a spot up shooter on this team. So I don't know.
0: That's
1: he doesn't push the needle for me as far as like a game changer for them.
0: Oh, no, nah, I don't think he's a game changer. I'm just saying I think maybe in another system where he doesn't have to be under the spotlight. Lakers games, 60% of their games are televised. Mm-hmm. 70% of everybody coming, they coming for their heads, especially being that they're, they're touted as the favorite or one of the favorites. You put them in a, a New Orleans market. You put them in the Suns or a rebuilding Spurs team or the Kings where he has more freedom? Is he as good as B.I.? I I don't think so, but you would see probably a different side of him.
1: You would, yeah. There's more
0: opportunity. You see it in regular pickup games when you have to park and whatnot. If you're on a team and Kyrie comes to the court that day, you know you a spot-up shooter now. You're playing defense. You feel me? Like, depending on who your team is, if they're stars, it's – a pecking order, Kuzma's kind of further down on that pecking order, how has panned out on that squad. Um, MVP, 61%, 61.9, we're going to round up. 62% have voted for Bron, 42% has voted for Giannis. We know this has been the discussion, Bron or Giannis, I'm a Braun guy. I'm choosing Braun as MVP, um, especially, you know, oh, yeah, Braun not going to be able to do it in the West. The West is harder. And with how the West look to still have that number one seed, year 17, to come back after last year not going as planned and to be putting up the numbers in the production this year still, at year 17, I got to give, for me, Braun is the MVP.
1: Yeah, I mean – He probably won't get it just because, you know, bias, you know, they're just like, this is LeBron, we kind of expect this from him. But at 35 to still be doing it, it should be something that is taken into consideration, especially since, like, I mean, Giannis is still getting better. He's probably top five, well, definitely top five in the NBA. But at the same time, Bron's been the best player in the league for almost like two decades now. And he's still the best player in the league. Like, what why doesn't he have more MVPs?
0: They take it for granted.
1: Yeah, they take it for granted. They,
0: granted.
1: they just see how good he is, and it's kind of like it's expected. It doesn't really excite some people, I guess. That's my only assumption. Like it's not exciting people enough because it's like, oh yeah, we know he's he's good. He he's real good. But I don't know. Like can't. we were saying with Lou Will, you could almost give him the award by default every year, but they don't because you don't want to just give it to LeBron every year. But some of those years he didn't get it, he should
0: have got it. But that's another conversation. Yeah, just like we're going to talk about – a lot of people have debates on uh, Steve Nash, if he should have won that many MVPs. But as you said, that's a uh, – another discussion maybe on the next episode we could uh, <laughs> touch on that. But this is the end of this episode. we like to thank everybody that did take a part of our polling and voting. Uh, we appreciate you guys that supported and sent in your votes. Um, COVID is still going on. Make sure y'all stay safe. Make sure y'all stay educated on what's going on with our politics, what's going on with Trump, Black Lives Matter. Make sure that you stay Awake, stay woke. Um it's a perfect day to arrest the killers for Brianna Taylor. I just like to say that. We'll end off the show with that. It's a perfect time to go arrest them. Um Benchma, we out, peace.